This Choircast podcast is brought to you by Go Wide, Reimagining the Landscape of Theology by Martha Elias Downey. This book invites readers to expand their theological, spiritual, and relational horizons by sidestepping the notions of hierarchy and verticality. Go Wide employs the lens of spaciousness to explore biblical stories, theological concepts, and the nature of God, showing how biblical narratives often disrupt the status quo. If you are looking for an accessible, inclusive, fresh take on an ancient course of study, pick up Go Wide, Reimagining the Landscape of Theology, now available on Amazon. Hey, this is Jason Elam with the Messy Spirituality Podcast, and I just can't seem to get enough of Second Cup with Keith. It's theological caffeine for my brain. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Second Cup with Keith. I'm your host, Keith Stiles, and I am here with my very good friend, Heather Hamilton. Um, Heather is the author of um, a wonderful book called Returning to Eden. If you haven't read that, you need to go get that right now and read it. Uh, and we're here to talk about, I'm doing a, sort of a series, I guess, uh, right now, talking about this thing called a second deconstruction. And we'll get to that in a second. But um, Heather, first, just kind of say hi and let us know hey. a bit more about yourself. Yeah. Hey, Keith. And hey. hello, everyone listening. Um, gosh, I hate introductions because I don't really know what to say. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the author of that book that you were very generous to publish. And mm-hmm. um, I live in Georgia with my husband and my three kids. And mm-hmm. yeah, I I like to kind of keep it simple. I like, I like spending time with my family and I like thinking about the stuff that we're talking about. And I usually, uh, I don't know, like just chew on things a lot in my head. Mm -hmm. And then when it's like fully metabolized, I'll spit it out, you know, (laughs) and then go back into my cave and think some more. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, again, I've, I've talked about on this podcast, um, this feeling that I've gone through the second deconstruction and, I'm um, trying to explain like what that is. And, and a lot of people are resonating. I want to say like a lot of people, a lot of listeners um, have reached out to me and said, oh my gosh, Keith, that's exactly where I'm at. So that's good to know that, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just a, a handful. I guess it's growing maybe. Um, but, you know, when I first started writing or talking about um, this experience, you were one of the first people that kind of came to me and said, hey, Keith, yeah, totally know where you're at, you know, on the mm-hmm. same page. And um, so Tell us a tiny bit for people that don't know, because um, I want to I want to make sure we we jump into the, this whole second deconstruction topic uh, as quickly as we can. But um, for people that don't know you very well, give us an idea of like, um, you know, you had your first deconstruction, mm-hmm. and then you did eventually come into what we're what we're calling this sort of second deconstruction thing. Um, so give us a little bit, you know, like what's the Reader's Digest version of uh, of that experience for you? Yeah, I mean, the really quick uh, Reader's Digest version um, that I think might contrast a little bit with what I've kind of noticed is the normal pattern was mm. like, I I went from um, just co- like completely stereotypical conservative evangelical sort of um, in theology. And then in practice, like I was pretty open and tolerant. And like, I think I interacted with a lot more types of people than, um, maybe like a typical 
conservative evangelical might. Um, and that is just kind of my personality. Like I just very curious about people. Um, and also in my line of work, like doing video production, I'm a video producer. I would just interview or get hired for all just different kinds of clients. So I was always like hearing, you know, various stories, but my theology was the really straightforward, you know, conservative theology. So sort of always in the back of my mind, you know, I might empathize or understand how someone would think a certain way, but then be like strategizing. Like, I wonder how they would get from there to where I am, you know, like how how would I bring them in line with this anyway? But so it was just like so purely evangelical and not really any desire or curiosity to think outside of that box. Um, And then, I mean, I write about this in my book, Returning to Eden, but I essentially like had an abrupt nervous breakdown, quickly followed by like a mystical experience where it was this massive like psychological upheaval, um, coupled with like this encounter with Christ um, in like uh, the body of like a transgender woman, like who was part of the EMS team that was helping me during this like mental breakdown. Um, and so that, I mean, it was, it was such an abrupt, like BC to AD experience for me, Mm -hmm. um, where I sort of had the mystical component to it, like just this bodily knowing of like something very distinct has like happened to me. Um, and then it took like several months after that for me to actually even find that language. Like when it happened, I wasn't like, oh my God, I had a mystical experience. It was like, what was that? You know? Right. And I was trying to find language for it. So then I started like digging in. Um, and I, w- I was finding like parallels to what I had experienced in like the stories of some saints or, you know, like yeah. Catholic theologians like Richard Rohr or something. I, um, right. You know, I read like the universal Christ and I was like, oh my God, like this, this is theological language for what I experienced, you know? Yeah. Um, but so I guess the part that, that has felt interesting to me, like listening to people like yourself and a lot of people whose like theology kind of evolves first, mm-hmm. and then you get to this, maybe what we're calling like the second deconstruction phase where even that more progressive theology doesn't fit as much anymore. And you kind of just get to like nothing, you know, (laughs) and, and, um, which I mean, we can talk about that later, but all of it was like really condensed for me. Um, so like coming out of the mystical experience, I think I, I got into a more progressive Christian theology and was trying to make that fit. Um, I guess the part for me that I had like an awareness of and that I sort of had to maintain like this tension in my mind about is like a lot of people that I was interacting in that circle, a lot of them didn't understand like this mystical experience that I was talking about that didn't feel like, like included in the consciousness of like the mainstream um, progressive Christianity Um, I think it's there. I just wasn't like hearing a lot about it. And then also how it, how it really felt sort of like an us versus them kind of thing. Like a lot of people coming out of evangelicalism were like, you know, oh my God, like I'm, I'm on this other team now. And like, we just have to convince everybody on team a, 
yeah. you know, if we can just convince them, then they'll come over to our side. And if we can't convince them, then like, you know, they're like depraved idiots or, or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, it's still that evangelical mindset, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And the yeah. evangelical mindset, right. It's a, we have the, we have the right theology. We're right about everything. It's those other people, progressives, atheists, you know, whatever new age people, uh, Hindus, all those people, like we've got to, we've got to get them on our team. Then you go through the first deconstruction process and you, you change some of that theology, but you're still in the mindset of, okay, we still got to get these people over back on our side. And I think recognizing yeah. that, wait, this is the same thing. We just changed some of the labels around. Yes. Uh, that's, that's a huge step. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think I went into like those progressive Christian circles, like thinking that maybe folks in, in, in those places could see this whole thing as like the process of like human psychological and spiritual development where it was like, well, of course they can't see it that way because right. you know, like you could, I'm like, I couldn't five months ago, you know, and I right. had to like right. go to hell and come back and like, you know, have a nervous breakdown and like, nobody wants to sign up for that. And just yeah. like pre getting thrust into that involuntarily I like never would have wanted to hear any of this, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I think it kind of just felt very obvious to me why people didn't want to go there um, and what it would take for them to go there. So anyways, um, I try, like, I really tried to sort of make that work. And it, there's some things in there that I think do work. Um, but just in terms of like joining like some kind of movement or whatever, like I didn't really feel like I could thrust myself into it because there were, I felt like that there were pieces of the truth that were missing or like just kind of consciously being ignored. So I was like, we're yeah. never going to get anywhere. You know what I mean? Unless we're like looking at everything in its wholeness and the light. Um, so yeah. So then it kind of felt a little lonely again because I was like, yeah. well, like I'm like with you like 80%, but there's still this really like precious, um, intimate part of me that I feel like I can't really share or bring forth mm -hmm. except for usually in like more one-on-one -on -one conversations, you know? Mm -hmm. So then you kind of just like listen for people who maybe are approaching that place or might be. So when you kind of started talking about that, I was like, hey, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. And that's natural because yes, you are looking for like, is there anybody else who thinks this way or talks this way? Or can can affirm like okay yeah they they see what I see they they're in the same kind of space that I'm in um, yeah and that's how I've identified uh, right now I think I'd only I'd say maybe six or seven people that mm -hmm. I that I know of that I would say are kind of you know we're all kind of nodding our heads and we're kind of like, okay yeah we we understand what this is and I think that all of us also don't understand what to call it really yeah um, I'm just calling it a second deconstruction because I don't know what else to call it you know um, yeah and. Um, so yeah, but something you touched on something too about like, and I think it's interesting too. You have such a unique experience. Whereas like my deconstruction was first of all sort of intellectual, theological, right? I was thinking my way through. Well, the Bible doesn't really say that, and going into church history and going looking at the mystics and okay, and the, oh wow, there's these other ways to see things and all that. And so I, I did all that, and but it's like after I finished that, I kind of reached this sort of like okay, now what? You know. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the first thing for me 
that I would say propelled me in this direction was um, recognizing the embracing of mystery, right? And I wrote Soul yeah. Mysterium and it was like, yeah, the bottom line is it's not about having the right information. It's about transformation. Transformation is about this connection with the divine and the experience of, of the divine. And um, that's not something you can map out, but it's something you can experience. Um, you know, the divine isn't something you can, um, you know, fully articulate or explain and it shouldn't be, it doesn't need to be right. So that was yeah. the first thing for me. And it's interesting for me with your situation, it almost feels like, tell me if this is accurate. Cause as you described it, this is kind of what it seemed like. It's almost like you went from, you know, let's say the evangelical experience straight in, almost straight into the second deconstruction. You kind of leapfrogged over a lot of the regular deconstruction stuff. Is that accurate or, uh, or did it, was it yeah. just accelerated? Uh, I think, I think that that it that is pretty accurate. Um, I mean, I was, I was trying like when my brain was catching up. It was like I was trying to get my logic um, to catch up with what I like knew on a really deep level. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, I would say that that was accurate. Um. And. And also, I think it sounds like a little uh, romantic sometimes when it's like, oh, I had this mystical experience and, and you know, like I, I like understood God, you know? Yes, this um, light came from heaven. You heard angels singing. You were lifted out of your chair. Yeah. But right, that's not right. what it was, was it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that there like have been moments of like feeling like ecstasy, um, like that feeling of like bliss and oneness. Like I have had that experience but then also like i still feel like that there were times where i'm just kind it's just kind of like a thud in my oh. ordinary life and i'm like i don't know anything and i don't feel anything right now right. you know what i mean yeah. i still yeah. have like those ebbs and flows um it's just sure. like yeah so it's 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 interesting like i don't i, yeah. I don't access like that blissful feeling mm. of ecstasy all the time like sometimes i i still feel like God, like this sucks. And I, yeah. I don't know anything for sure now. And that sucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Well, I was going to say too, even that initial mystical experience that you had was kind of unpleasant, right? It was mind blowing, mm -hmm. but at the same time it, it was painful on many levels, right? Yes. Yeah. Like my literal first stop right afterwards was like my therapist's office where yeah. I was like, um, <laughs> And I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a very agreeable person, but like, I think like I like raised my voice in, in the therapist's office, like for the first time ever, you know, like I was just yeah. so blown off, open and dysregulated, you know? So yeah, like my first priority after that was like, get the nervous system under control so you can like take care of your kids, you know, yeah. that was like step number one. Mm -hmm. And then after I got that under control, it was like, hold on a second, this whole worldview that I've adopted is not right. You know, <laughs> this yeah, doesn't yeah. compute anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I want to reference something. Um, so when I wrote Sola Deus, right, which was a follow-up to Sola Mysterium, um, I asked you to write the foreword and you did. Thank you. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but in the, in the process of that, we were talking and you were, I think you put this into the foreword itself. Um, it was a bit of a conversation about how, for me, like moving from that sort of progressive Christian deconstruction world, you know, uh, and sort of shifting into this, whatever, second deconstruction phase, 
was um you you said you said it was something like uh to letting people know there's no santa claus right yeah um and and we were both kind of like yeah <laughs> um because <laughs> it is like that right but um so that's why even on this podcast i'm trying to gently help people along and, and explain uh what it's like and so i mean i've talked a lot on this podcast about what it was like for me uh i'm curious for you you know what are those things like when you're even when you're having those conversations with deconstructed Christians or progressive Christians that you were like eighty percent of it was you could go yeah okay yeah we're on the same page but then what what point for you was it like no that's not where I'm at like or, or maybe to say it another way um, what for you is sort of that aha thing that propelled you into this sort of second deconstruction phase? Like what mm -hmm. is, what's it about? You know, what's the, cause I get that a question a lot. People are like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. you know, they think it's reconstruction. No, no, you're just reconstructing your faith. No, I'm really not. Because that yeah. would mean I was, I was reconstructing my progressive Christian faith and that mm -hmm. is not what I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Something popped into my head and uh, I'm like, Damn it, Keith, like I might get in trouble for this. But but I think the first um that first feeling of like a oh this has got to shift again. And then like kind of triggering those feelings are like, oh man, I'm gonna like lose some of the relationships that I've made now. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So okay, yeah, so so coming into that maybe first wave, um, I felt very alone very alone. Like, um, I kind of talk in my book, I sort of compare it to like the Virgin Mary. Like it was just like this ridiculous thing happened to me. I know that it's real. I know what I'm saying is truthful, but this sounds so insane, like to anyone else in my life. Like, I don't think anyone else is thinking like this. And like, if I express it, it's like complete heresy, you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. then so you're like bumping up against the tribal things where that's like a very like primal energy right there, you know, where I'm like speaking of like in evolutionary terms, I'm like, if you like go against the tribe, then and you're a threat to the tribe, then like what makes sense in terms of survival is like we need to get rid of this threat. You know what I mean? Yes. Like we do what's good for the good of the group. And so this threat needs to go, you know? So okay. you're having like all those like really primal fears about, you know, who do I tell and how open do I be with this and yada, yada, yada. So, um, so I was kind of, you know, navigating that, um, for several months while also like sort of internally being really, excited, enthusiastic about the way I was like seeing and experiencing the world. And, um, I ended up like finding about, finding out about this conference, um, where I didn't even really know the term deconstruction, but it was kind of like that. It was like for people who were deconstructing. And so I go to it and it was just like, oh my gosh, this feels like heavenly, you know, like there was, there was, I was getting served communion by like trans people and it just people who, who would never like embody these roles in a typical church. And, and it was like, none of it mattered, you know, like it was just like, we're human and we're here. And like, you know, I'm embodying Christ serving you and I'm Christ receiving this. And it like, it just, my perception of the whole thing was like, oh, like this is how this is supposed to be. And there's like a group of people who are 
perceiving this the same way as me. So I was like really excited about that, like feeling kind of embraced, like, oh, yes, like these are my new people or whatever. Um, And then like when it came around for the next time, and this is like where I'm going to get in trouble, um, (laughs) is is like the conference was like, we're not going to have any white men speak like for now, like white men are out, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. I understand like historically, you know, why some people have felt like that makes me feel more safe or whatever. Um, But my heart really like just sank when, when that happened, because, you know, in the, in the months after this first wave and we came to this conference, like my husband and I were like not on the same page about what I was experiencing. You know what I mean? And like, he loved me so much. He's like trying to understand, you know, but he's like, I don't understand what's going on. And so when this conference came up, I was like, I'm going to this, you can come or you don't have to come, but like, I'm going for me. So if you don't want to go, it's fine, but I'm still going, you know? And he was like, you know, no, wait for me, like (laughs) I'll come. And so, and so the whole experience was like his sort of first time really like paying attention to a lot of these new ideas. And it was actually like Pete Enns was at the conference and Pete was really like who got through to him where like, and it wasn't because he was a white man, it was because they just thought the same, like their patterns of thinking were just very like logical, like maybe a lot like you, you know, like it's just, you know, he kind of just follows like the rational linear thinking and, oh, it makes sense. And now I can go here kind of thing. So I felt like him listening to Pete Enns for the first time was like just such a breakthrough and kind of gave us not permission, but just sort of like tore down this barrier in our relationship at the time, you know? Um, And so like kind of the following year to kind of just be like, well, now we can't have people like Pete ends. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. Where I was like, then I I sort of felt like it, it, it turned into this, like we have to, um, I don't know. It was like the group identity thing where, you know, for me kind of seeing everyone as like these little incarnations of Christ who were like, they're on their own little journey. It really was like, um, you know, if I just like close my eyes and I don't see or know anything about how you look or your life story or whatever, like, can I feel like your essence? Then that's kind of like how I experience people, you know? Um, and so that, that was like what my hope was for like where progressive, progressive Christianity was like moving and even like in interacting with evangelicals who didn't agree with me, like sometimes, you know, even if I felt like they were asking dumb questions or whatever, it's like, I could feel on a heart level where someone was like either leaning towards me or contracting, you know? And I just felt like that those, those like subtle distinctions, um, like sort of in the progressive Christian bubble, like there wasn't a sensitivity to them. You know what I mean? Right. Or it's like, oh, if this person is a conservative evangelical Trump supporter or whatever, they're in this camp, you know what I mean? We make all these assumptions about them and there's judgment. Whereas like, if I would be like talking one-on-one with someone like this, I could feel if they were like leaning towards me or not. And I, and I started to just feel really like 
disheartened with sort of the inability to be like sensitive to those relational interactions, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, and so I, I think that that was sort of the shift where my like heart kind of sank. And I was like, I don't really, I don't, I understand the reactions and, you know, and why we're sort of constructing, (laughs) I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but like, why we're sort of developing our new rules according to like these guidelines. Well, it's a new but, tribalism, right? We're just yes. moving from one sort of one one definition or one form of tribalism to another. And, yes. and for me, a big part of my shifting into this, let's say a second deconstruction thing is this, and maybe it's the only, it's one of the main things, if not the only thing is like realizing that this, this uh, illusion, the idea of, uh, of separation is an illusion, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and yes, it begins with that. There's no separation between us and, the, and God. Okay. But then there's no separation between us and one another. Yeah. And then now what does that mean? So then that means you have to recognize that all forms of tribalism and separation and division, they're artificial, right? Yeah. Um, and as long as we, and it's a choice, we just decide, oh, like you were saying, you're, oh, you're a, you're a Trumper or you're evangelical or you're, or, you know. Uh, or you're progressive or whatever, like, oh, then now I've labeled you and you go in that box. And that means you can't be in this box and we can't, Yeah, it's oil and, oil and water and we can't mix. And the, again, that's a lie. That's an illusion. As long as we keep thinking that way, we're never going to have any kind of peace or unity, or we're not going to have any progress. Like, cause we're, we're not, we're not coming back down to the fundamental connection of our shared divinity. Right. Right. That, yeah. Yeah. And humanity. Yeah. And the, and I mean, to your point, those labels that we set up, it's really like to keep us safe, you know, even just psychologically sure. safe, you know, like, um, yeah, like who's with me, who's against me and, and the labels and the categorizing, like help our brains to do that really efficiently. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's again, like it's rooted in fear, you know, mm-hmm. whereas if I'm not if I'm not drawing all these categorical lines, then somehow I'm going to be like exposed and vulnerable and and not safe, you know? And right. on one level, like sometimes that's true, you know, like, it's not like I don't have any boundaries or whatever, yeah. but it's, it's kind of recognizing like where there's just like this hypervigilance going on where we're doing this unnecessarily. And we're actually right. like creating the conditions that make it all more scary, you know? Yes. That's, oh, as, that's a great point. Yes. Yeah. Because as soon as I approach someone, like, I mean, if, if someone's approaching you and you can just tell like that there's sort of like a defensive or aggressive energy like coming your way, like immediately I'm going to tense up and be like, what's wrong with this person? You know what I mean? Right. So I'm right. going to be on the defense and then the interaction from the get go is going to be like this, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Whereas if I'm like coming into an interaction, like relaxed, assuming the best about someone nine times out of 10, like it's going to be great and productive, you know, and I'm, I'm only going to like put my antennas up if the other person starts doing something weird, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah so, so we're not prejudging people based on those assumptions, right? I, it, yeah. I it's, you're reminding me of something that happened, um, I guess a few months ago, um, that I was at a family event. It was like a funeral and it was, um, it was Wendy's side of the family. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm already an outsider in that, right? Like it's, it's her family. 
uh, someone in her family passed away. So I'm, I'm just there. And, um, and there's a bunch of people in the room. I don't know, you know, uh, cousins and friends and family friends and stuff like that and family members. Anyway. So one of the guys, uh, after the funeral, he's the husband of a friend uh, of someone, right? So even more mm-hmm. removed, but he's walking around at the, you know, a, a, in this little, uh, Airbnb they had rented and we're all getting some, you know, a, after the, after the funeral service, we go back to that, to this little cabin and we have food and people are getting their plates and stuff. And this guy comes in and he's wearing, he's wearing a big red make America great again hat. And, mm-hmm. and he's talking really loud about political stuff and getting people in you know, like, uh, like, yeah, that's right. And so I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to hang out with that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I simply just went outside and took a walk. I'm just like, yeah, I can't be in the room with that guy. But here's what the funny thing though. So I, I, that was my initial, like, yeah, that guy, oh man, I'm going to avoid him. But later that same night, um, people were still hanging around and stuff and talking. And I end up in a conversation with that same guy. Mm-hmm. And we end up connecting in surprising ways. I was just, I was even, as it was happening, I'm like, is this happening? But because it, <laughs> like, I can't believe that we're, we're actually yeah. agreeing on certain things. Like, so in other words, we were able to find common ground on some things yeah. that we could all talk. And, and what's funny is that when I was connecting with this person and we were having this conversation, it was real. I mean, yeah. there were like tears in his eyes. I guess there was emotion in his voice when he was talking about things. I and mean, I would, I would share something about this. Um, and he would be like, yes, oh man, like he was really resonating. And I thought, well, see, there it is. Like it's yeah. possible. We really can do this. Um, but it takes some energy, right? It takes some time and some intention. Yeah. But, um, we can find it if, if we're willing to do that. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it, Keith, because even as you're describing that, like, I'm like, oh, there was like a heart string that was connected between you and him, which is deeper than the logical yes. stuff or whatever, yes. like patterns or worldview that you think you subscribe to or whatever. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, like that guy is going to be like, yeah, but I had this heart connection with Keith. You know what that's I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that's the part where I feel like we're really missing it, you know, where like, mm. maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't convert him to like any of the ways that no. you <laughs> see things, you know, right. but like what was deeper and more true was accomplished. And, and I, I'm like, that's, that's how we're going to move forward in peace, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, but that's, I mean, that's really difficult to do when you're walking into situations with, um, like preconceived notions about people. And so this new way of like seeing where you're like, Ram Dass says, you know, treat everyone like they're God and drag. And that's this conviction that like at the very deepest part of everyone, like is God, you know, and that's the truest thing about all of us. And it's Mm -hmm. the same thing, you know? So when you learn to see that and you're speaking to that place in somebody like that is to be seen like that by someone else is going to hit someone at the deepest part of them. You know, that's like what awakens people. Yes. Um, and so like even in progressive Christianity, I do think that there is some theology that would speak to that way of seeing people, but yeah. I, but I don't see that, um, that perspective uh, illuminated. Like I, I think I get pushback on that perspective, you know? Right. 
Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Like I, I, um, I can, it's interesting, right? So because I've was raised evangelical and because I spent a long time in progressive Christianity and deconstruction circles, um, I know those languages, right? I, mm -hmm. I've been members of those tribes, right? And so, um, it's helpful. I can use that language. If I'm speaking to someone in one of those tribes, I can use their language to, to point them to what you and I are talking about. Mm-hmm. Because it is there, you know what I mean. Like yeah. there are, there are like I could, I can quote some Bible verses if that's what yeah. matters to you, if that's what you need. Like, well, that's anti-biblical or that's heretical. Like, well, hold on, there's a couple of things here. If you mm -hmm. read this, think about that. What does that mean? You know. Mm -hmm. um, so I can do that, it, it, and that's helpful. But um, I don't know that that is really how you get to this point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe you could. Um, but I, but I, I think, um, it would like those things can help you support yeah. maybe the transition from, mm -hmm. from those ways of thinking into what you and I are talking about. But, um, there has to be a little bit of a letting go of some of those things, you know? Yeah. Like for me, the letting go, uh, the big one, I was probably this idea that Jesus, uh, is the second person of the Trinity and, uh, there's there's something special and unique about Jesus that's not true of anybody else who ever lived. Um, I mean, at least not to that sort of ultimate level. Um, like that was a big thing for me, and yeah. and, and and expanding my because I'm not letting go of Jesus by any means or Christ uh, either. And I would say those are sort of two different things. But um, but I'm just expanding and widening my scope and saying yes, Jesus, yes, the Christ, yes, all these concepts, yes, I can find some things in Paul and other things, but I'm, I'm looking wider and seeing like people like Ram Dass or Alan Watts or Brene Brown mm -hmm. or Black Elk or Rumi or what, you know, there's, there's so much more wisdom and insight mm -hmm. out there. And even going into like quantum science and things like this, where like it's affirming all of these same kind of core ideas. Um, that, that for me is what was more helpful. Right. Yeah. So um, maybe those, maybe if you're coming out of a progressive Christian mindset or deconstruction mindset, some of those things can be like sort of the first rungs on the ladder that kind of mm -hmm. get you, but they're not going to get you all the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So what what are some things for you um, that have helped you as, as you kind of made this transition? Like, are there, like, you know, you, you mentioned Ram Dass, right? Uh, I know you like uh, Joseph Campbell is someone who's really helped you. Uh, mm -hmm. Like what are some other voices that have also sort of helped you find language for some of these things? Um, yeah, definitely Ram Dass, definitely Joseph Campbell, um, Carl Jung. Again, oh, yeah. like you, oh, yeah. like you said, um, it's like there is this wisdom path, um, that is accessible to anybody. Um, but then you find people in their respective disciplines or their unique incarnations that are expressing it in, in some kind of language. And it was helpful for me to like hear it in from different voices, sort of in different languages. Yes. So that I could understand the, my own language that I was speaking for the first time, you know, like I might hear Ram Dass say something like that or explain Christ in, in some kind of way, even though he wasn't a Christian, you know, right. he came to his, you know, enlightenment or whatever, like through Hinduism. 
Um, but yeah. then, you know, what I loved about him, um, and something that he's really helped me with, um, you know, in the past couple of years was again, I guess, you know, going back to that story that, um, I was telling you about the conference or whatever, oh, yeah. where, um, for a minute, and I, and I do think that this is a big thing in progressive Christianity where, you know, sort of church and these spaces we create, um, we're, I think that we're kind of trying to make them like therapy spaces where it's like, this has to be a perfectly safe space where I don't feel triggered by anything. Yes. And what I heard um, from teachers like Ram Dass and others where, where he would actually be like, I like, I want to be in those situations where I'm triggered. Like he would say, mm-hmm. you know, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. And that's yes. basically gonna, gonna, um, you know, <laughs> what word am I looking for? It's going to bring up all the stuff that's kind of settled that you're not aware is like the dirt that's, you know, kind of made itself yeah. concrete down in your heart. So it's going to, you know, mm-hmm. make it come up and, and then you look at it and, you know, so, so in, in the situation with the car, it's like, well, why would I feel triggered when I see this person in this body speaking, you know, they're delivering the same message as this other person, but for some reason I cannot listen to, you know, someone who looks like this or someone that I think, you know, my vote for this person, I can't, I can't let that in. I I feel very triggered. So, so then it was like this church spaces and all these spaces became like, you know, being triggered is not acceptable. I got to get that out. And like, for me, it was like, I don't want to be triggered anymore. Like I want to be able to make my way through the world and interact with anybody without feeling triggered. You know, I mean, it's just, my triggers are telling me something about myself, like some wound that I haven't attended to, or that's right. Carl it, Jung talks about like uh, that the importance of going into shadow work because yes. there are these things that you would prefer to push them away and push them down, but they need to be dealt with and addressed. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because like what you just said there, right? You're addressing the fact that in some progressive circles, right, and and it, it happens in lots of circles, but um, this idea that what you share is the feeling I don't want to be triggered, right? Yeah, but it's how you approach it. I don't want to mm-hmm. be triggered. Therefore, I want to create this artificial safe space where no one can ever say or do anything that bothers me. There you go. Now I'm not triggered. Yeah. Or you could say, I don't like you're saying, you want to reach a place where you say, I don't want to be triggered anymore. Therefore, I choose not to be. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you kind of, um, you understand by like, it, by examining your own self and your lens that you're viewing the world and the story that you're telling yourself. A quick example of this is, um, you know, my son who's eight several months ago was like running down the hall and ran into his room and like banged his toe against the door, like stubbed his toe on the door. And like his first reaction, he, he was just like, ah, this door hates me. And I was like, (laughs) it was so interesting to me to hear like in that primal reaction to pain that he was convinced that that door was out to get him. That door you was know? waiting for him. And as soon as he came, it jumped in there and got grabbed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to another friend who's an adult that I was working with a few weeks ago. And I kind of told him the story and he was like, I feel that same way about inanimate objects. Like I yeah. stubbed my toe on the bed and I was just like, I 
hate this bed. Like this bed has some vendetta against me, you know? Right. <laughs> but anyways, and it, it's funny, but I'm I'm like, oh, I do the same thing. You know what I mean? In different ways. Like yes. I don't feel that way most of the time about like inanimate objects, but it was just an interesting, you know, insight into like how my son might move through the world, you know, thinking like that these objects around me or these people, you know, who probably aren't thinking anything about me are out to yeah. get, me. you know what I mean? If I'm triggered right. in some way or there's some kind of pain and I do the same thing, you know, like if someone in the room is upset, my, my reaction, it's, it's not even conscious is to be like, what did I do? You know? And right. I'm like, Oh, there, there's my own like narcissism kind of showing up where I'm okay. assuming that everyone's reactions have something to do with me, you know, yes. when in reality, it's like their own little lens that they're moving through. That's right. So what I like Ram Dass tells this story about, um, you know, as I mentioned, he like found his path through Hinduism and he was um, like on this meditation retreat. I think it lasted for like three months or something. Wow. And yeah. And it's like, you like, he would like meet with this teacher and the teacher would give him feedback. And he was like, well into this kind of making a lot of progress um, uh, in terms of like, you know, I don't know, reaching a certain point of spiritual awareness or some of the things that we're talking about. And um, while he was on this trip, um, he got a message that his father was ill. And, you know, the teacher was kind of like, I kind of got the feeling that the purpose of the three months was working on like detachment or non-attachment. And the teacher was kind of like, I think that you should stay and continue, you know, working through your attachments and et cetera, et cetera. And Ram Dass was like, no, I have to go. Like I have to leave. And he goes back home. So his father really never like accepted his new identity as Ram Dass. Like he would make jokes. He would be like, he would call him Rum Dum and <laughs> things oh. like that, you know? Yeah. And so in his father's eyes, it was like, here's my Jewish son that had this job at Harvard that threw it all away and became like this weird yoga guru, you know, like yeah. there was just no understanding yeah. for that. Um, and so it was, it's interesting to listen to him kind of talk about his hurt and feelings over like not being embraced and accepted by his father. Yeah. And then also going like, I do, I was born into this particular incarnation. Like I'm a Jewish man with a Jewish father and now he's sick and it's my responsibility and like my duty to go. And he felt called, um, as a servant. And it was, and so just to hear him kind of work that out and learn to like, not take any of it personally, you know, yeah, yeah. to, to go like, I have this need, you know, for my father to see me in this certain way, but he has his own lens or, um, in Hinduism, it'd be called his Dharma, like to work out, you know, it's, right. it's his fixation and his way of maintaining his separateness that he has to work out. And so it's like, I'm going to continue like serving God and loving God, even though, you know, this person can't necessarily see me the same way. Right. So that, that was like that person where they are rather than yes. insisting that they change into what you prefer. Yes. And then going like, where, how am I still taking what this person is saying and doing personally about me? Like mm. where, where is the hook in my personality where, you know, when they insult me, there's something in me 
where that hooks onto and I agree with it or else I wouldn't be offended. You know, right. like if I was like, Keith, I hate your stupid green hair. Like you would just be like, <laughs> I don't have green hair. Right. So yes. Like, right. Exactly. Like you just, you might be like, I don't want to be around that person anymore. Cause she says weird stuff, you know, but that's yeah. not like a hook that's gonna really hurt your heart. Where if that's I was right. like, Keith, I think that you are the most selfish person I've, I've ever met. You know, mm-hmm. if there was something in you that really believed that you might internalize it and chew on, you know what I mean? And then it no, becomes exactly like this right. new story you're telling yourself. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And on, on a similar uh, track as well, I can remember one time um, I had an argument with a friend of mine and he said something, it was an email exchange, which is by the mm-hmm. way, you know, like this is the worst time to have any deep conversation <laughs> with people chatting or email, right? So, yeah. cause you know, anyway, we were doing this on email, just kept escalating, got high, worse and worse and worse. And he came back and said something really hurtful to me on the email and it really hurt me, you know? And, but then I was thinking about it later, like, but why did that hurt me so much? Mm-hmm. Right. And I had, I had to do some deep introspection and realize like there is some truth to what he's saying. You know, mm-hmm. that's why it hurt me so much because mm-hmm. on one level, I, I think he might be right about that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so when we finally did schedule a coffee to get together face to face and have a, you know, let's bury the hatchet, let's kind of make peace. And we did, it was great. Um, but that's what I told him. I said, you know, when you said this, it really hurt me. And I, and then he apologized and I said, but I want you to know that I thought about it and I realized there's some truth to what you're saying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you helped me face something about myself that was true, you know, that yeah. I would prefer to ignore. Right. That's yeah. why I got angry and defensive. Like, cause I, my initial reaction was saying, no, I'm not this way. Mm-hmm. You're wrong about me. But then I, but when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, but that is the way he sees me. Right. Mm-hmm. So from the outside looking in, he can see this part of me that I also see, but I prefer we don't talk about that. Right. Know? Yeah. Cause it's um, painful. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so that can be if we can do that, right? So some, so I think, so I think sometimes those things are painful because they're they're not true, right? They're yeah. things that we believe about ourselves that are not true, and then, then in that case, the work we have to do is to recognize is that true, and if it isn't true, then I got to stop telling myself that lie, right? Because where does it come from? Maybe it comes from a parent, it comes from a teacher, or someone in my past who made me feel this way, and then I've just carried it around. Yep. Okay. Well then, then I need to deal with that in some, in, in a sort of a healing kind of a way. But then they're, they're at the same time, if we, if we dig into these things, why that hurts us, it might hurt us because we, we know it is true, but we don't want to admit mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Right. And then now we need to make peace with that part of ourselves. Right. Yeah. And take, and take the self-responsibility to go like, you know, maybe I'm not able to connect or see like the results I would hope to in my life because of this deficiency. So then it's super painful to like, to to admit it and look at it and then take responsibility for it. You know, like, okay, this is here. Uh, You know, I need to make X, Y, Z steps to kind of change that, you know, um, Mm -hmm. or grow in that area. So anyway, yeah. Again, Ram Dass would call it all like grist for the mill. You know, it's like all, all this suffering is just in service of, you know, trying to wake, awaken you to the deepest truth. So you see, as you do that work in yourself, you realize either that's what everyone else is doing, or 
that's what everyone else is avoiding because it's so painful. And then you understand, you know, why they're acting in ridiculous ways. So yeah, there's compassion for it. And, you know, there's boundaries, et cetera. Like, I don't have to let you into my world if you're going to continue behaving like that or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, to what you were just saying with your friend, how, because you were able to kind of receive it and like relax some of the reactivity, how it might've been like a healing experience. And so I I feel like we're kind of depriving ourselves of that in some ways, you know, by this hypersensitivity to like the triggers and, and all that kind of thing. I'm like, yes. If our reaction is avoidance, right. Yeah. We're trying to sort of (laughs) trying to like sort of pad the room we're childproofing the room that we live in, the universe that we live in. So we never ever have any, we never encounter anything that makes us uncomfortable. Then, I mean, we might succeed in that maybe. Um, yeah. But we, if we do that, it's at the expense of growth and maturity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I've, as I've sort of been working this out over the past few years, something I noticed is that a lot of maybe the quote unquote spiritual teachers that I really respected where, you know, when they would talk, I was like, yeah, I, I think they're right. You know, um, that just seemed to hold a lot of wisdom. I didn't, I often didn't see, like, I, I kind of noticed what they would comment or not comment on when it came to like reactivity or current events or, or whatever, you know? Um, and was like, Hmm, I wonder hmm. I wonder what's going on here that this person isn't saying anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and kind of noticing where it was like, instead of, instead of volleying back and forth, you know, between sides or whatever, trying to tell people they were wrong. It was like, if I can just find some way to like express the deepest truth as I understand it or express the way that reality is, you know, like a, a foundation of love and this, you know, encompassing, like when people like get that and understand that it's like all the other stuff kind of just takes care of itself, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And this is, uh, this is a personal challenge for me right now as I'm trying to, uh, going through whatever this is. Um, you know, one of the big thing for me is this, the big aha I had before the end of last year was this Socrates quote, right? About the secret of change is to, Focus your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new and the yeah. recognition that, yeah, a lot of what I've been doing is fighting the old. Again, not I understand that's good on some levels. We need that. But, uh, but I'm, I'm in a place now where I'm like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, I, I'm really excited about what building the new looks like. And, and what that means for me in that context of what you just said is now when I encounter somebody and I don't, they express an opinion I don't agree with, right? Political, theological, whatever, right? Um, my, my, my knee-jerk reaction can't be, here's how you're wrong or Here, mm-hmm. how, here's how I'm right. What I, what, and it's hard to do. I'm, I'm really trying to develop the skill of how can I find the common ground, right? How can I humanize that person that I disagree with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, going back to like the, my story about the guy the, with the Trump hat, <clears throat> yeah. And, but somehow we were able to find a common ground and we had this, now we had a connection and I will say it's not easy and it's probably not easy 
because I haven't, I'm only starting to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I have, I have years of practice doing the other thing, the fighting, the old thing, the reactionary us and them, you're right and wrong thing. I don't have as much experience doing this other thing, which is like, okay, can I take a breath, take a step back? Can I look at this in such a way from a different perspective that I could see how the person expressing this opinion that I don't agree with, but there is something behind it that I can agree with, right? Mm -hmm. I may not agree with the way they're expressing it. I may not agree with the how they how that how that common thing we share um is is being filtered through this other perspective they have but i can't agree with that that common thing i can't say you know so maybe we can connect on this and then start there and then maybe talk our way through it but it takes a lot more work and energy and it's it isn't automatic it's hard to do well and what's interesting um what i was just thinking of as you were saying that was like when you were describing the the mega Trump hat guy who was, you know, just announcing all of his opinions. Yes. What I was thinking is like, he's probably moved through his whole life, like in that mode, you know, uh-huh. and, and our personalities like elicit certain responses from the environment, you know, like if someone came barging into my, into this room right now, just like announcing their opinions, I'd be like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna elicit a certain reaction from yeah. the environment. And then Maybe that person feels like, you know, nobody likes me or everyone hates me because I'm always getting these negative reactions, you know, like uh-huh. they're not putting together that I'm eliciting the negativity that I'm receiving. Yeah. So they probably move through their whole life in this same pattern, you know, this same, I put this out there and then there's this negative reaction. It's the same thing all the time. So for that person to be doing that and then for you to have taken the space which it sounds like you did with the walk, you know, like I need some space to calm my mind down. And then the next thing you know, this person's like crying to you or sharing something really precious. They're probably not used to that kind of interaction with people. And I think that that's, that's the way that people end up relaxing their defenses and changing where it's like, oh, I can move through the world in a different way, or I can experience reality in a different way. And the way that we like facilitate that is with this non-reactivity, you know, where we kind of let our personal personalities like relax and drop and let that, you know, the love that's within us come up. And then that's what changes people. It's, it's something surprising and unexpected, you know, like Mary at the tomb, you know, where she, she just thinks she's having this ordinary reaction with the gardener, you know, like this is the typical thing. This is what always happens. And then he's like, Mary, you know, like wake up. And that's, that's kind of what that reminds me of is, you know, I'm in my typical little like addictive fixation. And then somebody has like, has developed the awareness and space for me where it's like, Keith you know, or yeah. MAGA hat guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And see, to, to me, well, that's a great illustration. Like what, what, to me, where I also go to is like in, in my Christian, you know, uh, terminology is like Jesus saying, you know, when someone asks you to, to walk a mile, walk too. Right. Yeah. Um, if someone slaps you on one side, turn the other. It's like, in other words, there's an expected reaction to that kind of mm-hmm. aggressiveness. And when your reaction is the unexpected, when the reaction mm-hmm. is love and kindness and compassion, 
it throws people off, right? And I, I mm-hmm. used to say that, oh, this is the kingdom of God coming, right? This is how the kingdom of God breaks in. But it's however you, whatever you want to call it, it's how this unexpected thing breaks in and it connects people on a human level of like, oh yeah, and now I see you as another human being. I don't see you as yeah. the person on the, you know, the other tribe. Yeah. Yeah. The character that you're playing. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of unexpected. <laughs> can you read this change to a show I did not like? She said her TV changed to a show she did not like, which oh, is explicitly sorry. what I said. That's not an emergency. <laughs> That's okay. She's <laughs> learning what those things are. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad she's feeling better. Just though. a minute. Okay, can you give me five, five minutes. minutes? I want to watch something down here. Okay, go do it down here. Can it be gray? Yes. Okay, can you shut my door? Okay. That's sweet. What's her name again? Florence. Florence. And Florence. she's the one that wasn't feeling well, but she's feeling better now. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so, so glad. But yeah, what um, you can... Chop that out if you yeah, want. Yeah, we can. At the uh, yeah, the producer can edit that out. Yes, um, but yeah, no, exactly. It's what you just said. Is it's all, it's all a costume, you know, yeah. which is not to is not to devalue our incarnation. Like going back to what Ram Dutt, he was like, I spent so much time trying to drop the body, you know, like to yeah. drop the incarnation, um, to be like, you know one with the ocean, you know, this, this immersion yeah. with God. And then in the later part of his life, feeling like, oh, I need to honor my incarnation. You know, I yeah. need to, to embody my costume or whatever. So That's it's like, right. sometimes I have this picture of like, um, you know, sometimes in spirituality, there are these times where it's like, oh, I need to like drown in the ocean and be reminded of the vast mystery of it all and how I'm one with it all. And, you know, this is my final destination and then there's times where it's like, I need to be on the shore, you know, um, yeah. ju- just here. It's just the here and now, <laughs> you know, there's, I- I'm feeling very Heather. I'm feeling very in my feelings or whatever. Um, yeah. but kind of trying to maintain the balance of like just walking along the shoreline where it's like, I, I feel the sand on my feet. And then sometimes I feel like this big wave come and and wash up, but I'm not yes. getting swept out permanently. And I'm not totally dry, you know, and just, you know, in a drought all the time by my little separate self. Yeah, no, and that's, I'm so glad you said that. See, to me, that is one of the, like, it's like a paradox, I think, to what we're talking about, at least what I'm experiencing, right? Um, That's what I was wrestling with really when I was writing Solideus, because I was, um, I was wrestling with the ideas of like pantheism. The idea that God yeah. is all things, and then panentheism, where God is in all things but not all things, mm-hmm. and 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 as I sort of again, I, I I approached it intellectually and theologically. I was trying to make sense of it, and but I, I I think I came to a place where I was sort of like, I think both are true, and I know that that makes no sense, but I think that's the paradox, right? So yeah. I think the reality is is the overlap of the Venn diagram of those two things, and what is that? Well, I mean, again. I can't explain it, but somehow both are true. That there is that. In other words, like in panentheism, God, uh, God is in all things, but you retain your individuality, right? And, and God mm-hmm. does have a, a level of individuality as well, because there's a relationship. There's a there's a connection and a relationship and a conversation between you and God or the, the consciousness or whatever you want to call it. Um, but in in pantheism, well, no, 
God doesn't have any separateness and neither do you. And it's all one big thing. And I, I feel like they're both true on, on certain levels. And, uh, and I had to come to the place of being comfortable with that. What I realized was, you know, my whole evangelical life, I was comfortable believing in the Trinity, which I, which, which made no sense. I couldn't explain it. It was a paradox. And I was okay with the saying, well, it's a paradox. Mm -hmm. And I, and now I feel like this is my new paradox. The new paradox is God is in all things, um, but is not all things. And at the same time, God really is all things. And so there, we do, we do have to have that tension between I'm still Keith and you're still Heather and everybody there, there is some level of individuality and express, I guess an individual expression of the divine. Yeah. That is not the fullness of the divine. Yeah. Right? And we're both and. And and yep. again, I, I can't explain it more than that. Yeah. But it's really, it's very helpful to hold that paradox. I, I think it, it's helpful because when I'm too, when I'm suffering too much in my little personal experience, I need to make it a little more impersonal, you know, the, right. the pantheism part of it where it's like, this is you know, the, the door isn't out to get me, you know, I'm taking this too personally, um, versus, you know, sometimes I think we can be a little, a little too impersonal about it, you know, where we like look at suffering, you know what I mean? Where we fear like if, if I let this penetrate me, it's going to undo me, you know what I mean? And so we kind of resist being in the body about that. And it's like, I need to make this a little bit more personal because this is part of the human experience that I'm shielding myself from, you know? So it's kind of maintaining that equilibrium and both of those ideas I think are, are practical ways of helping with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Heather, this has been so amazing. We could probably go another hour with no problem, but uh, I want to thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story and your experience with us. Um, Let listeners know how they can get in touch with you and find out more about you and your book and all that. Okay. Yeah. Um, My website is returningtoeden.com. People can go there um, to check out my book, Returning to Eden. I have a newsletter called Unorthodox that um, I just send out once a month. And if you sign up for that, you can read um, the intro to my book for free. Um, so that's returningtoeden.com. On social media, on Instagram, it's Heather Hamilton One. And on Facebook, it's Heather Hamilton Author. Awesome. Very cool. Heather, thank you Thanks, so Keith. much. It's been a great conversation. And uh, yeah, everybody listening, please go out. If you don't have her book, go pick that up and read it. It will uh, it will amaze you. It will inspire you. And it's uh, it's a great book. So check it out. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Second Cup with Keith and reminding you also, if you like the podcast, you will love the book, Second Cup with Keith. Yes, there's a book. Go check that out on Amazon as well. Um, And thank you for uh, rating and reviewing and sharing. And we'll see you next time on Second Cup with Keith. Thanks so much.